Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with disability advocate, international speaker, and author, Sarah Freeman. She is a consummate catalyst for motivation in whatever task or role she considers, be it speaker, author, career and book consultant, recruiter, and an advocate for inclusion of individuals with disabilities as a blind person. Her book is called Turning Stones into Gems, Finding Direction in Your Life and Career. Using faith, personal experience, and extensive HR recruiting knowledge, she guides readers to grasp their unique value and goals. Dig this interview. It's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out. And I want to begin our conversation with surviving the last three and a half years or so. How did you get through the pandemic and how did it change you? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, surviving the pandemic, I am an extremely uh, uh, big extrovert, very, very people oriented. So being on lockdown with just my husband, was quite challenging. And after about that first six months, I'm going, oh, this looks like we're in for the long haul. So, but it, in a way, it also was a good thing. It was very, very, um, let's say, depressing initially for me, but I used that time to be a little bit more reflective. So uh, I was able to read a lot more and, you know, look, do a lot of things that when you're on that fast paced merry-go-round, you don't have an opportunity. And even in the midst of it, I, I made a career change as well. So uh, I kept myself busy, but thank God we came out of it. And so that allowed me to slowly get back into, you know, the social group. But I think it definitely helped build me more from an inward perspective and had a, a greater appreciation for uh, the value of life and not to take even the smallest things for granted. So, so I what, think that helped me to survive. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get to the heart and soul of what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one uh -huh. of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? I answer that. I am an author, speaker, and a disability advocate. And so I just happen to have one little extra caveat, a little sideline. I'm blind. But I don't let that stop me. As an author, I've written uh, several books, and I am now encouraging people to take that career change if they're looking to make one or trying to figure out what they really want to be. And as far as the motivational speaking, I love to speak to, to groups like yourselves to get you excited about what to look for in the future. And as far as a disability advocate, guess what? Because I'm blind, I've had to learn to advocate for things that I needed assistance and most importantly, this is the greatest lesson I had to learn when I begin to lose my vision is to ask for help because I was always giving help and it's hard to ask others to help you to do something that you used to do. But it is a good thing. You'd be amazed how many people can be a blessing and a help to you. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become? <laughs> Believe it or not, I wanted to uh, be a combination either a uh, detective, I love the Sherlock Holmes, the Nancy Drew mysteries, or I wanted to be a pediatrician. Well, when I got to college, I was a pre-med major, decided that was not my cup of tea. And, uh, but then I figured out, hey, I love talking and communicating. So I changed majors from pre-med to uh, journalism and broadcast communication. So, and I've used my mouth ever since. Very nice. So, how did we get to this point? You're obviously very talented. There's a lot that goes into you. Tell me where you were born and raised and how you got these skills that blossomed into who you are today. Wow. Well, let me do that in, in a few minutes or less. But I grew up in Houston. Uh, my mother uh, was, was a native Houstonian. 
And uh, uniquely, uh, my godparents lived across the street from uh, where my mother lived at the time. And she was an unwed mother. But my godparents had no children and they were very elderly. But they visited me, helped me do so, so many things and, and, and provided a blessing because she was a single mother at the time. And uh, it was very, very challenging. So growing up and having the opportunity to spend time with my godparents, who were, as I stated, very elderly, it was a good 55 year span. I recognized that they needed help as, as they got older. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, be raised by them early on in my career after attending uh, school in, in Southern California, uh, kindergarten through uh, second grade. But what was a real blessing is they were able to legally adopt me at a very old age. My father was like 69 or something and it retired. My mother didn't work, which was very unusual in the court system. So that was my first unique blessing. And I was able to be a part of their lives until about 10 years later when um, they both passed away. But because of the inspiration they gave me, I was fortunate enough. They focused me on, on learning and to get out of the inner city where uh, I grew up and to make and become something of myself. They always encouraged me. And so that allowed me to get a full scholarship to go to University of Southern California. So that was the second blessing and uh, being able to get both a social as well as an academic education. So that's when I learned that I had the ability to communicate, but I communicated in a unique way that encouraged and inspired people. But the sad part is I didn't recognize that that was a talent or a gift. I just kind of felt like, well, most other people do the same thing, right? So uh, that's what got me started. And, you know, as we all decide to make our career, I chose mine based upon how much money can I make? Also comparing what, you know, society said, oh, that's a pretty cool career. So Ultimately, I did land in recruiting and I loved it. And um, that's what landed me the opportunity to recruit a lot of people in the underserved markets that were having difficulty getting in the job market some 30 years ago. And because of the encouraging things and speeches and things like that, that I did to recruit, people said, wow, you're very encouraging. I, I wish you would write a book because your, your background, you, you, you just don't fit the norm. And um, because of what you've shared with me, many people went on, you know, to go back to school or to learn a, a skill or a track, craft. And so that's what encouraged me ultimately. I was resistant about, about you know, writing a book. Heck, who's going to put me on New York Times bestseller? Who, I mean, my life, come on now. What's so extraordinary about it? But that's the other distinct purpose. Every life has a story. And we undervalue ourselves. We, we, we find ourselves thinking we're unworthy. And that thus led me to writing Turning Stones into Gems about finding your true value, your true worth, and, and getting into your purpose. So who's been a hero for you in your life? My biggest hero at the time, as I stated, I grew up in Houston, inner city, and Fifth Ward, uh, to be distinct, and the person that I looked up and, and basically was my hero was Barbara Jordan, because she grew up about maybe four blocks or so down from where I grew up. Had the opportunity, she would come and speak at our elementary school. And here I am, a third, fourth grader, had no clue, but the impact of her voice, the impact of her speech, and the things that she obviously went on to do in her career always uh, you know, resonated within me. And I said, now someone you know, like a Barbara Jordan and also Mickey Leland grew up about three or four houses down the street from me. Again, he was just a little skinny, crony, scrawny kid that lived with his uh, grandmother at the time, but who knew 
he also had a distinct purpose. So I, I had a couple of heroes that I could really, really look and say, if they could do it, imagine what I could do, you know, if I set my mind to it. So if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend a little time with them, who would it be? Hmm. Oh, that's a, that's a toughie. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely toughie. I'd probably say at this point, Michelle Obama. Yeah. She's always number one. She's always number one. She, she's <laughs> the number one for sure. Absolutely. I mean, again, similar backgrounds, who knew, but she persevered and, uh, and look, obviously, you know, just turned out to be such a positive influence uh, on so many others. So yes, definitely would love having a cup of tea, a coffee, even a glass of Merlot sitting down chatting with her. Oh yeah, that would be wonderful. So what is your motivation? You're obviously very accomplished, very driven. You've done a lot with your life. Oh. What has been that daily motivation for you to get up and to do everything that you do? My daily motivation is after, uh, first of all, you know, I was on that, that pity party couch, you know, mid-career on a good high trajectory, promotions and things like that. And then suddenly, you know, start losing your sight. And then ultimately later on learning that it was going to be, you know, there's no cure and it's going to diminish and you'll ultimately be blind. It was saying, now, Sarah, yes, that's life changing, but life goes on. You, it's, you still are the same person, but you may not be able to see, but you still have a vision. So for me, every day, I have to, one, prove to myself the things that I can focus on and do and do them at the very best of my, of my capabilities but secondly, I always pray and ask God to allow me to be a blessing to someone else. I love being able to, if nothing else, listen and say, I hear you. I understand. I, I can't tell you what to do, but I hear you. And if nothing else, hey, I can go and send up some prayers for you to uh, accomplish what you're doing. But it is being able to encourage others. And then when they find out, okay, you're wearing glasses and you're looking straight at me. I thought you could see. No, I have no clue. I can just listen and I'm, and, you know, that sort of thing. And they're going, wow, but you don't let that stop you. No, there's so many tools and so many avenues. So that's what keeps me going. Now, every morning, it's okay. What do, I have no idea what this day uh, unfolds, but help me to be the best and focus on what I can do versus not what I cannot do, because that will keep me in that pity party depression mode and I'll never get out. So that's yeah. how I start my day. So as somebody that helps others, what's been one of your favorite success stories of helping someone? Oh, gosh. Um, one of them was, was a young lady that uh, came to our organization looking for a job. I was working for a staffing firm. And um, we had some prerequisite uh, assessments to determine the skill set. Basic, basic things, you know, like some basic math, some ba basic filing skills, some proofing, things of that nature. Nothing, you know, it's not like a Wonderlick test or an IQ. But she failed the test miserably, but she was so uh, uh, articulate, a community, a very communicative, uh, very, very nice personality. And she was just looking for, you know, an entry level, uh, you know, let's say a clerk position or something of that nature. And I, I was disappointed because I couldn't move forward with her uh, to send her to a position. And most of the other recruiters would just simply say, oh, okay, well, we'll get back with you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. But never would tell the person why they were not the fit. And I just pulled her over and sat down in the office and explained. I said, you know, I can't move forward because of the result of this test. 
And I said, if you want to practice, you can take this test, but you're going to have to come back and, you know, in a time situation, see if you can improve. And I said, but I, I feel that I said, I know you can do this, but either is it something going on that prohibited you, you know, distracted. And she just started breaking down in tears. And she stated, she said she could not read. She had been passed through, graduated from high school and was, I think, a freshman in college. But everybody liked her personality, but they passed her along because she could not read. And I said, well, I, I have no idea that you couldn't read. But I said, that doesn't mean you can't learn to read. I said, there's literacy programs, uh, organizations. And at the time, it was during, I want to say, uh, one of the literacy projects that maybe Barbara Bush or something like that in the Houston area. And she was able to connect with them. And years later, she came back to me and she was accepting an award as the most outstanding student recipient, what have you. She went on to finish college and they asked her the question, you know, who, you know, was, was one of the individuals that made an impact. And she mentioned my name and she said, Sarah, you weren't at the awards. I should have invited you. But I mentioned you is because you didn't deject me. You encouraged me and said, it's not too late you can go and learn to read. And I did. And now I have a career in, I believe she's teaching, you know, literacy uh, to others. So that was just so powerful. I, I just simply thought, okay, you can do it. And I left it alone. But sometimes just little powerful words that you give to an, an individual and put out in the universe, they always you know, can make a difference. Absolutely. So if you had a dream tonight, you ran into, say, the 20-year-old version of you, and you could give that young version a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life, what advice would you give your young self? Well, one of the first things I tell self is stop comparing yourself to others and don't let society determine your destiny because you, you get too many outside distractions uh, from so many different places. You should do this. You can't do that. You can do But to listen to that quiet, still inner voice. That's, that's, that's the spirit as far as I'm concerned, speaking to you and trust that voice. But more importantly, I would tell my younger self, stop trying to figure it out. It's already been worked out. You just take the first step and you'll be amazed. The, the dots, you can start connecting them. They'll start making sense and just slow down and just take it one step at a time, learn to be patient and ask the advice of those that are in positions that you know are, are doing well, but not just based on what society says or because they're making tons of money, because that at that time was more materialistic focus. So just trust your inner voice and your inner self, and you'll definitely make the right decisions. So of all of the things that you've accomplished and evolved to become, what are you the proudest of? I probably have to say I'm the proudest of learning how to ask for help, especially when you're in corporate world, especially when you're already in an organization that they at the time when they hired you, you were fully cited, you were fully capable. And then now suddenly after tons and tons and, you know, about a year or two into it, you got to admit, I can't see that PowerPoint slide. Can you, can you give it to me in advance? I can't see that resume that you handed it to me, but if I scan it or use something. So I feel having to learn how to ask, but more importantly, also to advocate why I needed the assistance 
and then being able to, you know, have it accomplished because I was again in HR myself and I'm going, oh my gosh, they're going to fire me. Oh, they're going to think I'm a less, you know, less talented or less qualified. So I'm, I'm so proud of the positions that I've been able to hell, hold that um, because of my, vi- my vision, it did not deter me, but that's also used useful for me to be that advocate for others because so many people are afraid either not to know how to ask for help or to advocate for themselves. So I think that's my greatest accomplishment and I feel comfortable going into any office setting. Yeah, I may not be able to see that office, but I can sit out with my screen reader. I can, you know, turn on that computer and I can go with the best of them. It may take me a little bit longer, but I can get the job done. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, Mm -hmm. clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I am a diehard optimist. I am always going to try to find some positive aspect out of something. I'm going to try to turn lemonade out of those lemons, maybe a little tart, may not have had enough sugar, but I am going, everyone would say, she is never going to err on the side of, oh, this ain't happening. This is not going to work. This is what I will always try to find an avenue to, um, to be more positive and to, to be that encourager. And it doesn't matter who you are. And, and the wonderful thing I think that God has made me because I'm such a people person, I can sit down and have an intelligent conversation with the CEO, but then walk to the elevator, go to the basement and sit down with the janitors and have a blast and never miss a lick. And they would never think that I am thinking any less of them because that's just the way I am. Everyone is unique and talented. And so that's if they deserve that type of respect and dignity. And let's just have some fun. Absolutely. Well said. So if anyone out there wants to reach out, learn more about you, anything about your world, where's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. Uh, check it out. Uh, go and visit my website at www.urgems.com. That's U as in United, R as in Robert, G as in George, E as in Edward, M, Mary, and S as in Sarah.com, which will have all the information about my book and speaking, and, you know, booking me for speaking engagements, as well as some resources and tools for my book as well. Excellent. Sarah, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, your story. It's overwhelmingly positive. So thank you. I appreciate your story. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.